Hi, and welcome to episode 61 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. I'm Maria Stalger, and my guest today is Mache Bolter. From the age of two, when her parents decided to sail from Australia to Canada on a boat they built themselves, Mache's life has never been far from the sea. Spending weeks at a time in her childhood, sailing on the ocean, staring out at that vastness, Mache's very being is connected with the water. So it's no surprise that she paints what she knows. In her recent show, Shelter, at Sydney's Art House Gallery, her seascape works were breathtaking. They depicted the coastlines and ocean which happen to exist in Australia but have a universal appeal. In Mache's paintings, the sun is never out in full force, often hidden behind luminous clouds, making that sky and the illuminated sea the main players in her work. She's been a finalist in the prestigious Glover Landscape Prize seven times, as well as being shortlisted in many others. Her work is also held in various public and private collections around Australia, including the Tasmanian Museum and Art Gallery and Parliament House in Canberra. All the works we talk about are on the website talkingwithpainters.com. We start this conversation with Mache taking us back to that time when she was two years old, when her parents, who were Canadians who fell in love with Australia, built a boat when they were living in Brisbane in Queensland, and they decided to take a trip on that boat back to Canada with Mache and her baby sister on board. You know, it's, hard, it's always hard to discern what your earliest memory is and what isn't just a story that's been told to you, but mm. um, it's about that intimacy of the family, you know. The whole world is, is your sister and your mum and your dad and you're in this really small boat, but that's kind of the intimate side of, of your world. And then up on deck, you know, there's, there's that endless kind of space of the, yeah. of the sky and nighttime and daytime, because of course you always got to have someone on deck. So, you, you know, it would be a treat to be able to do a night shift with dad and it would just be, a, yeah, really special time looking at the stars and... But you probably wouldn't have even known any different. No, no, I didn't know any different. So it wasn't sort of like, yeah. wow, this, this is so <laughs> exciting. It's just like, this is life. I can remember when people would say, oh, I saw a shooting star and I'd think, actually, they're quite common, you know? <laughs> <laughs> if you're just sitting out at, the, at night, you'll see, kind of, you'll see at yeah. least two or three a night. <laughs> yeah, of course. So and of, also that expanse of just darkness. Yes, that's right. There's no other interruptions of light or any sense of other civilization other than just us. Yeah. So mum and dad settled in as a lifestyle sailing. You know, they weren't in any hurry. So dad uh, did and mum, they did odd jobs of carpentry or working on boat yards or whatever they could find along the way. We lived in Hawaii for a year and... Um, Is that like the longest in that yeah, period? Yeah, that was the longest kind of work session. Um, what was that like sort of going to school? <laughs> well, I, I didn't go to... Oh, you mean in the end after all this travelling? No, no, like in Hawaii. Oh, oh you didn't go to we school? we didn't go to school. No, mum taught us... You know, she did just oh, did all that bit. What's just, what was yeah. that like, actually? It's basically mm. homeschooling? Yeah, yeah. So did she have textbooks and things? Well, as we got older, she was very diligent and worried always that we would miss out with something. So we had, um, we used the correspondence, the Queensland correspondence, because they have had a really good one for all the outback kids, you know, that oh, sort of yeah. were uh, school by air, I guess they called it. But they had a really comprehensive 
correspondence. Um, oh, so she would they she would get that sent yeah, to her. She would. even when you're overseas. Yeah. So you'd be yeah. doing the Queensland curriculum. Yeah, that was kind of, of more thing. while we were travelling. So when we were in uh, when we were in Canada, we did do the odd little bit of schooling, and we went to you know a school there. And what was that like going to school for the first time? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's when I sort of realised that that my life had been pretty extraordinary up to that point, that's, and yeah. all the other kids had kind of you know, been born and grown up in that little town. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know that I loved it, to be honest. <laughs> well, yeah. it'd be so structured. Yeah, Suddenly right. it's all this structure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's just a very like, insular little town. And Well, I was listening to this thing on homeschooling the other day and they basically were saying you only need two hours a day, mm, mm, um, yeah. really, of focused work and yeah. you're going to cover everything that they do in school. Yeah, that's right. Because I think at school it's like sort of... You know, a lot of time is spent, like, especially in infant school, I remember when my kids were little, like lining up. Yes. <laughs> sort of, now we go here and now we go there and it's like... It's not actually focusing on the no. work. So and who wrote those rude words on the chalkboard and stuff yeah, like that, yeah, you know? Exactly. So, yeah. So I understand you then settled, you, you, your parents decided to come back to, to go yeah, to Tasmania. That's right. Dad was fishing in New Brunswick, um, sardine fishing, which is herring, same thing. So big nets and trapping fish. But... They, I think they both wanted to come back to Australia. That was kind of their dream place. They loved it. Queensland was kind of the, the place they wanted to come back to. Dad wanted to fish in Queensland, so we set back off sailing back across. Oh, that's and then I was a bit older at yeah, that stage, so yeah. there's more memories of, of being on the boat than, um, than probably that early childhood sail. And mm. at that point, were you doing any drawing or anything like that on the boat? Well, I... No, I, I don't have a memory that I did and mum and dad would say that Jeanette, my sister, was the drawer and that was kind of her territory, I suppose. So the drawing and painting didn't come for me till later on, till I was kind of starting off in Australia at the high school. So in, ta in Tasmania in at Tasmania. that point? I went on to college, obviously, from high school and then, um, you know, that's where I really got interested in art and um, mm -hmm. had a couple of really key teachers who said you know what you, you actually can this is a thing you can do you could you could go on and and keep painting and um, and you know when I was at college I, I really found it quite a liberating thing to be able to paint I just realized that I felt a sense of sort of freedom and and sort of expressiveness that I really didn't socially feel and um, and I thought, yeah, this is this is me being me when I'm painting, you know, mm. I, I get this. You really didn't have to go there at class times. In fact, I rarely did. You were, I painted at night, that suited me more. So, you know, there was security people that walked around, but you just hid in the bathrooms and then, then you could be there overnight, you know. <laughs> what, all night? Yeah, sometimes. Because <laughs> it was just really peaceful and atmospheric in this beautiful building at night and... You know, just paint. And, you know, I really am someone who does things, I like to do things my own way. So it really suited me not to have a lecture kind of telling me, now do this, do that, you know. Mm. So, so do you, it was very so free. So would you, from that perspective, 
Do you prefer, like, you you prefer to have your studio on your own? You don't particularly want to be in a studio with lots of other artists. Well, I am now in a oh, studio right. that does have lots of artists around, but for a lot of years I did work really isolated mm. and uh, I now do see the value in asking other artists' opinions on things, but, you know, for a lot of years I thought, no, I don't need any of that and, you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> I'm better off just staying in my own head with Yeah, with, I know what things. you mean because, and I think part of that also is that if somebody, if somebody sort of suggests something, you think, oh, they must be right. Yeah. And then you go off on a tangent and then mm. you think, actually, that doesn't work. And then yeah. you sort of got to go back to square one. And yeah. once you've been burnt a couple of times, you just don't trust other people. Yeah. <laughs> So the best people to ask are the people that know you quite well. You only need a few of those and they know you quite well and they're probably just going to ask you open-ended things that you still just come back to what you think yourself just helps to talk it through sometimes. Yeah, especially when you've been working on something for a long time you just can't see it anymore, you know. that's right. Um, You do need somebody who can see it objectively. Yeah. But another interesting thing that we were talking about the other day that you were telling me was that uh, you, when you were, when you basically left art school, yeah. your work was quite, it was like you were saying almost fauvist, like yeah, really colourful yeah. <laughs> figures, you know, which yeah. is totally different to what you're doing today. Yeah. Well, that sort of colourful kind of era was probably more college, actually, probably year 11, 12. Oh, and then by the time okay. I was at art school, I was st- uh, then I'd kind of moved into this really heavy, textural, um, not so colourful, but very figurative. And I was making my own paint and they were big and oh, quite really? expressionistic um, yeah, yeah. things. So with figures in them. Yeah, figures and... Uh, kind of, but and they had the palette toned down a bit, had it, it? The palette had toned down, but I was still... Um, yeah, it was still very figurative based. And mm. then it sort of took me that three years of art school. I kind of found my way about the last sort of half of year, you know, the third year. I kind of thought, maybe I don't need all this paint. I had a great theory lecture at that stage and he kind of heard a bit of the story of how I'd grown up and said, you know what, there's really rich material there. And I thought, yeah, maybe there is. Maybe I can give away kind of this whole figurative, you know, inspired by other artists thing and just focus on my own, you know, personal experiences. Mm. Well, that's pretty brave yeah. in a way that, you know, when you're just leaving art school be- or yeah. in art school because you're f- you're really finding your way at that yeah. point, aren't you? And, and you're s- pretty sure what you've got isn't good enough. You, be- you better try and be someone else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that's funny, isn't yeah. it? You think, well, my life's not that interesting but I mean obviously <laughs> to other people it's amazing yeah so that was um sort of like almost an intellectual decision yeah I guess so I mean I think it happened more intuitively but that's looking back that's how it kind of yeah, happened yeah and, you know then I was um I just you know started to paint just some really simple seascapes with just some you know sky and and sort of sea they were still big and they were still quite expressionistic that kind of they were still quite loosely in you know painted mm, mm. um it took a little while for a lot of the paint to fall away I yeah, guess, to, to that. yeah yeah to change your methods yeah. basically altogether yeah. Yeah. in a way yeah well let's fast forward because sure. since then you've had I think 20 solo shows mm. and you've also been a finalist in the um prestigious Glover Prize seven times and I wanted to talk about one painting in particular 
which is your finalist painting from the Glover Prize last year in 2017. It's called Cloudy Bay Lagoon and it's this absolutely beautiful ethereal landscape with the horizon sort of just below halfway. Uh, the upper half of the canvas is a stormy sort of sky. The lower half is the, the, the water and with land on either side and, and the land in the distance as well. Is mm. that is that a particular place that you're that you have a connection with? Yes, it is. Um, we lived so after I you know finished sort of art school, we lived on Bruni Island for 15 years with the kids, you know, growing up there. And oh, where that, is it? where is that Bruni Island? Bruni Island is oh, it's a couple of hours drive south of Hobart, um, and it's you know it's well it's half an hour. You catch the ferry at Kettering and then we're another further hour driving on the island to get to where we are. Mm. So it's a place that I've, you know, I just know so well. We've, you know, the kids learnt to swim in that lagoon and, oh, you know, we kind of walk yeah. down there most days. And, you know, so I've seen it in the mist when it's almost blanketed completely out and then just kind of lifting. And I've seen it in the bright, you know, Sun and, and sort of all different times of yeah, the day. Yeah. Well, what I've noticed with, with your work, um, generally speaking, and probably more so in the last few years, is this use of a very low light in the, mm. in the, in the landscape. Mm. Is there a particular time of day that you're evoking there mm. or is it...? Yeah, I'm always sort of lured by those sort of early morning or kind of later afternoon or, or if the weather's kind of you know, um, blocking out some of the, the detail of the landscape, I suppose. Mm. So, so just by focusing on those lower light times of the day, the land becomes less of a feature and it becomes more about the sea and the sky. Do you have any tips? This is leading me on to something about space and depth in landscape, because I think with landscape, I mean, I've tried it a couple of times. I'm not very, you know, I find it, it, it looks as though it's going to be easy. <laughs> you think, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. But it's not easy to, to, to describe depth yeah. in, a, in a landscape. Yeah. Is that some, have you got any tips about that? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I might lead you astray because I, I think my, everything that I've learned about painting is just through trial and error and kind of just my way. That's why I think I'd be a terrible teacher because I only know how to paint my paintings. Oh, so you don't you don't think you ever went through like an academic approach no. about about landscape painting? No, so I don't you think I did. Of... I mean, I've looked at paintings I've loved and I thought I kind of just sort of soak it in and then I just try to do it. I don't, ah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't really. I've never been one that's been very good at kind of going through a process of trying, you know, layering it up. So you know, it's really just. I mean, they are layered up, I know, but through my own kind of way rather than something I've learnt oh, from okay. someone else or something, oh, you know. Oh, I see. Yeah. And so what when you say looking at paintings you've loved, can you, were there any artists in particular that you were looking at a lot that you can remember? Well, I went through all sorts of different phases, I remember. Um, but I, I suppose when I saw the David Caspar Friedrich, that sort of romantic, landscape mm. paintings I thought oh you could actually describe the sort of human spirit and emotion and not necessarily paint the figure you could actually do that in the landscape and how actually something else is revealed when you don't just 
directly do it as a figure, but you take it outside of yourself into mm. the world, outside of yourself. Mm. And so, you know, then, you know, looking at those, those David Casper Friedrichs and, you know, there's that famous one of the Monk by the Sea, which is sort of... Oh, I'm going to bring um, it up so I know what you're talking about. It's a very minimal one. I'll, I'll show you when I see it. Oh, there it is. That one. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so now I've just brought it up on my computer so I yeah. know what Mache's talking about. Yeah. So we're looking at this painting by Caspar David Friedrich. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was sort of, I think the story goes that there was boats and things in the background and even he paired those out. And so it's like this really minimal landscape. Yeah. Especially for that era where it was usually had all that, you know, the boats and the Oh, and the okay. So stuff. it's basically just, it's a monk Yep. In the oh, so no, I'll tell, I'll describe looking it. Looking out into the yeah. void, really. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's a a painting with like I'd say eight tenths of it is sky, the upper eight tenths, mm. and then was also four fifths. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like a band of dark sea. Mm. This is a great painting. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned it. And then there's a band of like a rock. It looks like like a cliff mm. edge, doesn't it? Mm. And then there's this tiny monk, mm. um, like in the you know almost center, center, sort of yeah. left of center. Yeah. Looking out into this void. This is really interesting. I can see why you're attracted to this given mm. your painting, mm. your paintings. You mm. know. So it has this sort of spiritual element of mm. this man just looking out contemplating emptiness basically it so seems, there's a yeah. sense of stillness about it there's a sense of depth of as we were talking about before there's distance yep and you know and it, minimal it, it could almost be a Rothko couldn't it you know with the well, bands right. if you paired it back even further but, and also it's not it's not logical because the sky at the horizon is dark yeah then it goes lighter and then it's darker again at the top yeah. now no sky does that but isn't that great <laughs> that he does that absolutely I mean, absolutely which is interesting actually i want to ask you about that when you are painting light so you're, you're painting light often coming out of yeah. clouds a yeah. cloudy sort of sky you are you concerned that that light is going to be realistically reflected onto the water well, I mean, um, you know, my paintings have, you know, figurative, realistic element to them. So, you know, I'm aware that things have got to make a bit of sense. Otherwise, it can kind of disrupt any of that just passage into the painting, that mm. sort of, you know, letting go and just sinking into it. So, you know, to some degree, I have to make sure things make a little bit of sense because if they make no sense at all... You can just you just see a painting that doesn't make sense. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. It blocks you at that point. Yeah. Um, so I do I do work with it a bit, but then I push that too. You know, <laughs> I mean, I don't really want to paint a topographical painting. I don't need to no. get all the elements right. And no. you know, if I can get away with it and it still feels okay to me, then it's about you know. Yeah. And as you say, this, that spiritual feeling, because yeah. I think that. That feeling of the light coming out of the clouds mm. does give that mm. feeling. Well, it gives a point of exit, you know, a point of leaving. It's giving you somewhere to go, you know, I guess. Yeah. And that's what I, I do want my paintings to give people a feeling of departure, I suppose, that it can take them somewhere else, can mm. take them outside of themselves and perhaps connect you to something that is greater than just your own being.
I'm, I'm a very intuitive worker. So I'll, I have this little thing where I sometimes say to the painting, what do you want now? You know, and it's mm. sort of... Um, Would you make some drastic start. changes as you go along? Would yeah, you ever? sometimes. I mean, especially in the little works, they're a lot more fluid in their composition. The bigger works, I might plan out a little bit more or I'm less likely to change things drastically, but I still do put in quite a lot more information and, and detail and then kind of edit it back. So I kind of often reduce, oh, reduce okay. at the end. You mean as in reduce detail? Or yeah, just... reduce detail and reduce kind of, you know, there might be quite a lot of layers of hills and stuff in the background or there might be a lot more trees and kind of foreground things that I kind of, as the painting's going, I, I want to, I'm always kind of looking for this pared back, more simplified version of, of what the painting could be mm. so that the relationships in the painting are just a few, you know, rather than, uh, so it might just be about how the light hits that little bit of tree and then just bounces onto the water or it might just mm. be about how the water kind of weaves into the landscape. Yeah. Just, you know, one or two things that the painting's kind of about so mm. that it, it all I sits think that's on that. A, that's one of the great things about, um, well, acrylic and oil painting as, say, opposed to watercolour or whatever, is that you're so free at the beginning because mm. you don't have to worry. You can just edit yeah. it. Yeah, and you, you just know. go over it and over yeah. it, you know, and yeah. actually the more mistakes you make or the more things you have mm. to edit out actually just help the painting build up its kind of sense of depth and it's sort of, you know, it's history, its own yeah. little kind of making history, Definitely. which actually gives it personality, gives it sort of a, gives it... Well, authenticity, it, you believe in it, you know, mm. and um, yeah, I was saying the other day, we, did, we had a conversation at our house gallery and uh, I was sort of saying how I think the history of your life, it is it does sort of lend itself to make these works so authentic and, and I think that's part of it as well. Do you glaze? I think you were saying you do, you do a lot of scumbling. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a back and forth sometimes. I it's sort of where I'll, you know, glaze over a painting um, and that sort of that sort of just naturally does darken a painting and kind of gives it a you know one sort of wash of a certain colour. And then I'll get, uh, you know, generally a lighter colour and I kind of, you know, draw back into it almost with a, with a drier kind of brush. I really have to have quite a few paintings on the go because there's bits drying and, you know. Mm. And also if I don't know what I'm doing with it, I leave it for a while. And I, I like to work slowly. I like to work kind of um, with them all, all around me for yeah. a certain amount of time. To let it speak back to me, I suppose. You know, I see you'd sort of, you know, sometimes you go into the studio and you've been really wrestling with a painting, and then, and then it sort of that's that wrestle or that struggle seems to slip away, and it it sort of speaks back to you. I don't know if that yeah, if that makes well, sense. And, and that must come with having a break from it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it doesn't when you're right immersed in the middle of the struggle. <laughs> well, know. I wonder also if you've got a few going on the go whether seeing them in a group helps too yeah. because they can sort of, you sort of see one is sort of not quite working against yeah. the others. Yeah, absolutely, that's true. And, and you know, what, you, what you've explored in one painting you can kind of contrast in another. So I might have quite a lot of cloud or something in one painting and then, but just then really enjoy in another painting just that shift between a sort of a, a dark, 
mauvey blue to, to sort of a, a creamy light mm. in the sky. Mm. And really the painting is about that shift from dark to light. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you find that that you figure out what the painting's about when you're halfway through it sort yeah, of thing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's interesting, isn't so, it? So you can almost surprise yourself with it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, so that's why when you go into the studio and paint, for me it's little simple questions, you know, and just intuitively responding to what I've just painted the day before or something. And mm. so, you know, it, it might not be big questions I'm asking myself at that point. It's just, just doing what I think needs next, or, mm. you know. And let... Do you ever get to the point where it's just not going to work and you abandon it? Yeah, yeah. There are always a few that are just a little bit ahead of me, you know. I kind of, and then it might be a year or two before I can paint that. You know, I just, yeah. I'm just not able to paint it now. I, I have a feeling for it and I think it will, will work one day, but I'm just, you know, it's ahead of me. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the other thing I wanted to ask you was with glazing yeah. and um, using mediums and things like that, do you find that affects you physically at all? Like, Oh, yeah. That, that did come to me about a couple of years ago. I thought, oh, this... You know, I'm getting a few headaches with the terps. You know, mm. it's kind of... So I moved to a low-toxic um, medium, and there's, there's even lower-toxic toxic mediums available, um, but I'm pretty good with this one right now. It hasn't, hasn't affected me at all. It's oh, okay. you know, a beautiful company. They make them in Melbourne and, you know... It's oh, OK. Of, what is it? Just uh, language. Oh, it's language. Low-toxic medium. What is your day like? Like, what, do you uh, have a routine? Uh, sort of. I'm not huge into routine. I quite like doing things a bit differently um, each day, but the oh, routine yeah. is that I go to my studio. So, so would you be <laughs> like pretty a much certain time every day? No. Oh, kind of, okay. Yeah, I'm a little bit, um, a little bit varying there, but I guess the consistent thing is I spend a lot of hours in the studio. So if I go in a bit late one day, then I'd probably stay longer or, you know, ah, right. or if I get in there early, then I might go a bit earlier. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, I'm a mum with other stuff going on. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I would have a routine if, if it wasn't sort of that I was trying to juggle other things, but, mm. you know. And do you happier. think, like, do you think once the, the kids are more independent, do you think your practice will change? Yeah, well, they are now pretty independent. Oh, okay. And yes, it does change my practice. And I find myself slipping into that time when I would naturally really want to paint, which is my favourite time to paint is kind of in the evening. Yeah, yeah. I really love that time. Yeah. Um, which, of course, Back when you've got younger kids, days. that's a definite no-no because, you, <laughs> you know, that's ramped up family time. But, you know. Yes, you're right. You're absolutely yeah, right. Because that's taken away from you that time of day yeah, when you've got right. kids, younger kids. Absolutely. And that's interesting. Is it because, do you reckon it's because, like, it's quiet? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's just really precious, isn't it? I, yeah. It's like the shift of the day or something. It's like the day's kind of activity slips away mm. and it sort of feels calmer sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's I really feel like nice. that too. And, and also because I, my studio is amongst kind of other people doing things, you know, it quietens down at that time. Yes. And the light becomes my favourite sort of light. So even if I'm not outside, I'm enjoying it coming into yeah. the studio. And so would you sometimes paint like into the early hours of the morning? Oh, if I'm kind of, <laughs> if I'm available to do so. 
But I, you know, as I've gotten older, I sort of still need my sleep, and so you know, kind yeah. of midnight, I wouldn't go right. much past midnight. Yeah, right. And what about? You know, I often talk to artists about how they get into the flow. You know, do you find it pretty easy to do that in the flow and the zone yeah. of painting? Uh, once you get to the studio. Yeah, I mean, it really is lovely having a studio away from home because there's that sort of process of getting to the studio which sort of lets things go a little bit, you know, part of it's a walk that I do. Mm. And then, you know, I get into the studio and you open the door and there's all that stuff that you were just working on yesterday and, you know, you see and it's kind of a time that you're anticipating because you're going to see it afresh. You've slept, you know, and now you're going to see them again. And so there's that sort of immediate feeling of, oh, I'm looking forward to getting in there and seeing seeing what it looks like now, you know, shuffle them around the studio a little bit mm. and kind of walk around and look at what I've been doing or, or painting I have been leaving. Um, I work out which ones are dry, <laughs> which ones I can work on. And, you do, know, you, do you look at books much? Like would you... There's some books hanging around and I do... Um, love to look at the exhibitions that are around, you know, yeah. you know, I kind of love looking at other people's art. That, that can get me in. But for my own work, it's about just being around my own things mm. that I'm doing. Mm. Yeah, and it's just a continuation of the night before. So you find it easy to sort of get back into it. So with your paints... Very easy. I mean, I'd sort of, yeah, I'd still yeah. take some time to sit, look... Drink yeah. some coffee. Yeah, drink coffee is drink actually coffee. Oh, it's often, it's I mean, often I thing I hear. leave that bit out because it's sort of... Yeah, if you're a coffee drinker, you need that yeah. in the morning. I stopped drinking coffee about three years ago. Oh, I mean, it was hard at first, yeah. but, um, yeah, no, you do need it. It's but, a ritual. I'm sure it could be replaced. It's, you know, it's just yeah, that's that right. Thing. It's a ritual. Mm. And it's also, I suppose, the kick of the caffeine yeah. and everything. But actually, this is something I don't... I haven't asked many painters, but... With oil painting, um, so you've got your palette from the night before. Do you put that in the freezer or anything like that? Or no, what? I clean up each night. Do you? Yeah, okay. so I start afresh because it sort of half dries or it's sort of just a bit mucky. I'd rather start afresh. I don't want to I don't want to assume that I'm going to do exactly what I was doing last night. I may very well be putting working with completely different colors or different painting or I just want to start afresh in the morning so oh, so it's important for you to clean up properly before you leave yeah I do I mean you know occasionally you rush out with your, your brushes half half you know just wrapped in glad wrap <laughs> but um oh that's a good tip so yeah. so if you haven't got time to clean them you yeah. could just wrap it in glad wrap yeah okay yeah. that's and a good then idea. I sort of you know I do sort of save paint from the other days of the other days so I have you know those plastic platters? They're my palettes. <laughs> oh, They're okay. great. What do you mean, plastic platter? You know like, you don't mean like a plastic plate, picnic yeah, plate? Yeah, yeah. You sort of, you see them at venues and stuff like that. I oh, okay. So thick, out. so quite sturdy plastic. Yeah, a thick and quite a big kind of plastic platter. Okay, so and you're going just, like, sort of like about a metre long or something. Oh, not quite. Yeah, sort of half. Your yeah. hands are like, yeah, okay. okay. And, then, and then you can put the one, you know, another one on top of it and then just so that they can... Oh, so they're airtight? Yeah. But the, they're not designed... Oh, they're they're not designed. Shot? No, no, no. no, no they're no. just... Um, so like a serving platter. Yeah, yeah, that's like, right. Oh, that's good because, <laughs> I, you know, I have never... I, I, I always am envious of those artists who've got those wooden pallets oh, that have got no, the patina look, on them. They look beautiful. I don't, no, I, I can't work with that. I, I just, can't. It just never works for yeah. me. I don't know why. It never yeah, I guess it's all the... Then the, the medium will slip all off and yeah, I don't know how they yeah. do that. But, 
And also, you you need a. I find that too. You need it to be quite big. Yeah. And sometimes those pallets you hold, they're not really big. And oh, you can get really big ones. Yeah. But they, then they're quite heavy, I suppose. And you can have. I'll have two or three on the go at, at once through the day. Oh, like some okay. will have just the light colours, or sometimes this is you know my own little concoctions of. Um, this is my little mauve section here. Oh, <laughs> a plate so of mauveish colours. Right, yeah. Here's my plate of kind of you know. Blue, so you have them separated. Yeah, that's a, a little good bit idea. Separated, yeah. That's a good then, idea because then they get all mucked up. I don't try and keep any order because you know oh, that, okay. I start with an order, but that can just get mucked around. Right, because mm. when you get into the flow of it, you're yeah. just thinking about I need that paint. I need yeah. to put that there. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so so the next morning, so you cleaned up. The next morning, are you going to mix? You're going to mix. You're going to try and get back into that painting again. Yeah. And you you got to yeah. mix. So you got to mix that color again. <laughs> I know it'd be really it'd be really good if I could just write notes or remember even sometimes the combinations. But that can be part of getting into it too, is figuring out what kind of palette you're going to be using. Hmm. what colour you make up. And, you know, if you don't write it down, then you're going to have to be continually experimenting to get back again, and then you discover things you yeah. wouldn't have otherwise Actually, discovered. Actually, that's a good point, yeah. So, so it's open, you know, you're opening yourself to, yeah. to sort of experimentation yeah. in a way. Do you, yeah, do you start with a coloured ground? Or? Yeah, I generally do. I generally put just a kind of like a... A brown paper bag type color, okay. <laughs> whatever that color is, and yeah. sort of numbery, <laughs> just a wash. Yes. And really, it's just a starting point for me to be able to draw in with white as well as, you know, darker color because uh, really that ground is arbitrary. By the end of the painting, there's been so many layers and mm. so much paint that really none of it's coming through. No, that's right. It really yeah. is just for me to start and to kind of get a like sense a mid tone. Yeah, to get a sense of the light and dark in a painting, where if you just start w painting on the white and then you can't really put white on there, no, so you right. you know, so yeah. you're forced to just use darker colours to start. Yeah. Whereas I just like that. Yeah. So would you, when you're starting off, is it important, so once you've done that, you know, the yeah. ground, do you, do you, the first thing you want to do is bring in where the light is going to be? Yeah, is I that... often do. I kind of work out where the horizon might be. That's sort of my first thing. And I might just, you know, just with a, a white pastel thing, just draw in some basic sense of shape. Start to sort oh, of so just... So you start with drawing, yeah, so a chalk pastel? Yep. Okay. Yep. And then to kind of rub that off, because otherwise it, you can put it into the paint. It's not really going to hurt, but, you know, I generally rub it off a bit. So it's just a fine line in the end before mm. I start painting. But that just gives me a chance to be really loose with where everything's going to be and just you know mm, and then mm. when I start painting it's really loose paint and you know it's big brushes and yeah. just trying to get the sense of the whole painting down one go so that you know it can look like I've done quite a bit in the first day because, <laughs> you know, I kind of have it all in there, really. Ah, so you and use then, big brushes yeah, at the beginning. I do, I do, because ah. I want a sense of the whole, you know. I, want it, I don't want it to be... I always want my painting to feel like it's comprehensively just one, one thing. All the elements are connected so that it's not decompartmentalised at all, you know. They don't work on one bit and then just work on another bit. It's sort of all... Always got to kind of 
relate to each other, mm. be part of each other. Mm. Mm. And do you ever leave them at that point sometimes? Uh, well, sometimes because it's sort of, it can be seductive at that, <laughs> yeah, that stage, right. you know. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, sometimes that's when artists will say things like, oh, you should leave them like that. And I'm like, yeah, if I was that sort of artist, I could. <laughs> exactly. I just know I'm not that artist. You I know? know what you mean. I and know. You have it, to feels, true it doesn't to feel like it's finished. No, it's just yeah. not me and um, it would be for somebody else but not me Mm. so you know but I will sometimes leave it because at that early stage there's quite a few little keys to the painting that you might want to return to later on you know it's going to go through this middle gangly kind of growth spurts and you know all these ugly stages the adolescent stage yeah that's it exactly but you know hopefully the painting at the end might get glimmers of that very early day of painting so I often will leave that so it can be sort of in my memory Mm. that beginning stage of painting because there's elements to that that I do want in the end but I know they're going to disappear they have to halfway through yes yes they're all going to be lost and then the challenge is to try and find them back again do you ever have at the end come in with a bold sort of brush stroke or something like that you yeah, yeah, because, I mean, the end is really interesting because it's those marks that are everybody's going to see. You know, mm. you might have built up this whole kind of relationship with the painting and, you know, there's lots of layers and all of that's really necessary, but those marks on the top are really, that's the icing or whatever. It's, it's, the, it's the end kind of signature thing. And it can make it just that. You yeah. can just make it that yeah, last yeah. sort of brush I think, stroke. I think you, I think you know, especially when you, you know, you're painting something like the sky or mm. you know some of the trees. I think you can be loose at that point, you know. And I think you need to not feel precious just because you've built up something, mm. you know. And I think it takes a bit of courage to do that though at the end mm. because. I'm sure at the 99% stage, mm. it looks brilliant. But mm. somehow you've got to trust that that extra little bit. Yeah. And it sometimes can yeah. be quite abstract in a way. It can, it can. You've got, to, you've got to be careful that, you know, in all that building up, you don't create too predictable a painting, you know, mm. so that you do allow yourself to return to that beginning energy, <laughs> the energy of the beginning, I suppose, mm. at the end and, and kind of, you know, give it its new life, give it its freedom yeah Mm. yeah I totally agree with Mm. that and would you take photos throughout the process I've started doing that a little bit more because it is interesting and I have found it really interesting to look back over um so yeah occasionally Mm. when I remember that you know well and also I think it helps to see when you look at it in that little format it helps to to see the painting afresh and see the composition a bit clearer as well it just can Mm. give you that Yep. So distance That's a little right. bit. It's like That's looking right. in the mirror or something. Exactly. You know? That's right. Or even just turning your painting upside down, even though it's not going to make sense yeah. like that. You're going to be able to see mm. why it looks weird because there's too much weight on that side or there's, you know, yes. see it. in. So would you ever paint upside down? Oh, I have done just to kind of trick myself or just loosen up or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's not like, you know... You don't do that every painting. No. <laughs> no, it can help you loosen up. I agree with that. Yeah. But I think that's more also, I think if you're working from photographs, uh, which I don't think you do after the initial stage. No, that's not. Um, but people who do work from photographs, I think it really helps because 
you can just sort of detach yourself from the yeah. photo yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, and I think it's really important to um, move your paintings around the studio so you don't just always paint them in the same spot. Uh, um, okay. For me, anyway. Yeah. And I noticed in your in your current show, you've collaborated with a couple of other artists. Yeah, so, that's right. So you painted on hand beaten steel, so they're sort yeah. of oval shape, that's an right. oval shape. Yeah. And uh, that's with Gerard Mouse. Yes. So why did you choose to do do that sort of work? Well, I I I kind of love that sense of an oval shape. I don't know, yeah, you know, it's that's beautiful. sort of round and irregular, I should say. Yeah, it yeah. is. And so when I went to the art shop to sort of look at some round things to paint on, they're very round. Yes. <laughs> and actually it's quite a dominating shape, it isn't is. it? It is. Diffi- so I think it's a difficult it's shape a very to difficult. paint on it, round, it just a circle. a little bit sort of scary, that real strictness of it. So, um, and, and I'd previously been working with another artist, not Gerhard, but another lady who um, is a metal artist and she had these sort of, shaped things that she was doing for something completely different but I spotted them in her studio and thought oh wow they could look really great as something to paint on yeah and so you know with Gerhard then I've just sort of blown them up from from what we started with and I just sort of give him a shape and it's just a bit more of an organic shape than Mm. that strict round you Mm. know and the one I'm thinking of portal that's it's like 42 by 62 centimetres oh and actually by six centimetres and I should point out that it actually is it's concave isn't it so it's it's because he's beaten it and it's sort of become more of a concave shape um do you find that you approach these in a different way as far as the composition goes at all yeah a little bit you know and sometimes I'll have an idea that I wanted to work and then I go oh no that's just not going to work with that you know it is so it is different being sort of roundy but Mm. um that you know creates its own little kind of shifts, which is yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, no, it's beautiful. And the other um, thing that that was in the show was with a woodwork, uh, some woodwork, yes. and that yes. is with Linda Friedheim. Yes. And there's two of those, and one of them is called Blue Hour. And what it is is like a, if you can imagine uh, for the for those of you listening, um, you can imagine like a tripod with a camera on it, but the camera is actually a wooden box with a, um, like a, you open the front of it, you know, you mm. open the mm. front door and then mm. uh, what, and it's all in wood. So the tripod's in wood as well. And then it's sort of like about uh, 150 centimetres, I would yeah. say, height. Yeah. And then, so what you do is you open the front of it and then you look inside and inside on the three walls of that box is a exquisite painting that you've done of, of a seascape okay. what were you sort of getting at with that oh, well I've worked with Linda on other projects over about eight years I guess and we just both share this very similar sensibility and we have quite easy conversations about things you know shared ideas about how we could you create a kind of your own little world looking in there and yeah. thinking about the landscape as something that you can look inwards rather than outwards um, mm. or, or how you could kind of contain a landscape, keep it sort of safe, keep it kind of precious. Mm. Um, yeah, there's so, something precious about that. Yeah. I always love that, like little boxes yeah. and things yeah. and you open them up and what's in there. Yeah. there there's that sort of intimacy as well with yeah. it. You and, know? and, you know, I kind of imagine um, that 
that's the sort of painting you could do if you were on a boat, you know. You could actually do this sort of small, intimate um, mm. sort of landscape and, and do that physically. So you've just finished a show. When you've, when you, are you going to now take a break? Like, what, oh, what's your... I've had a little break, really. I've had a nice <laughs> had a week. time. I know. <laughs> I've had a bit of time in Sydney and, you know, some time with my mum. Um, oh, I, you know, I really am keen to get back to the studio. Right now I'm oh, really okay. looking forward to that. I, yeah. I, you know, sort of there's a sort of two weeks maybe that I, I don't really like to be out of the studio much longer than that. And so mm. what will you do now? Will you, well, you're going to think about your next show? Um, I, yeah, I'll think about my next lot of work, I suppose. Uh, there's some, some ideas that I didn't get finished for this show, so there's some little ah, bits already started. Okay. And so that's nice. I've sort of got, there's about four paintings there that I've kind of, I've been thinking about and I kind of want to get to. Mm. They were a little bit different, so I have sort of, you know, thought they would work best on their own, not with this show. So, mm. you know, I'll probably get started on those mm. and... Um, you know, oh, that's, yeah, it's not <laughs> funny, but a lot of artists I've met, they just, it's their life. It's not no, really, you know, it's, it's not work. It's not work. <laughs> it feels weird to call it work. It's just living, isn't yeah, it's, it? Yeah, yeah, from day to day. That's Absolutely. right. Yeah. Well, Michelle, it's been such a delight to meet oh, you. Thank you, Maria. Um, I really loved it. It's been great just yeah. chatting and Loved your podcasts, they're great. <laughs> Thank you so much. And congratulations on your show. It's absolutely, it's a stunner. And, and good you. luck with your next one. Thanks so much. Thanks, Maria. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mache as much as I did. You can go to the website for links to things we talked about on the show and I'll be posting a short video of Mache speaking with me at Art House Gallery in the midst of her wonderful works in her show Shelter. I'll let you know on social media as soon as that's online. And you can see all the videos of the podcast guests on my YouTube channel, which you can get to by typing Talking With Painters playlist into your search engine or on the YouTube website. There are now over 80 videos, averaging about three minutes each, so take a look if you haven't already. And thanks, everyone, for listening to the podcast in 2018. I'm going to take a little break, but we'll be getting episode 62 to you on Monday, the 4th of February 2019. In the meantime, I'll still be posting on social media, on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, so keep an eye out for videos and photos of what's happening there. And thanks again for all your messages, reviews and ratings on social media and on iTunes. And if you're taking a break, I hope it's restful and creative and that it fills you with energy for the new year. And I'm looking forward to having you back listening in 2019. Hope you can join me then. And, do you, and I was talking to you the other day, actually, because uh, about that fact that oh, some artists feel that when they start a new painting, it's like they start, like, they can't remember how I to know. do it. <laughs> no. How did I it do that? It's a big relief to me to figure out that other artists felt that way too. I just, you know, I sometimes just, you know, like now, because I've had a little break, we've been, I've been in Sydney and, you know, doing this exhibition, I'll get back to the studio and I'll think, now, what was that? You know, I'm almost in like a wave of panic, like, people are expecting I can do a painting. <laughs> You know, it's sort of weird. It just, yeah. And then, of course, I'll start and it'll yeah. I'll have something to work with and then I'll be just into doing it and it'll be fine. <laughs>